What's up, Madrid podcast listeners? It's Hassan and Mushtaq back with another podcast right after Real Madrid's 3-0 win over Alaves on match day 22. Uh, Madrid continue to sit third in the league standing, but of course are now just two points off of Atletico Madrid and eight off of Barcelona, both of whom dropped points this weekend. Uh, so all in all, uh, positive signs for Real Madrid. Uh, enough of that, though. Let's jump into the game. Hassan, you didn't get to watch a lot of the game. You watched bits and pieces and kind of followed the rest of it on Twitter. Uh, what did you think? Uh, what's one good thing and one bad thing out of this game for you? Uh, one good thing was the team's overall sort of performance was quite good. Uh, the one bad thing was our alleged superstar Gareth Bale not doing anything. Um, so yeah, we'll just roll with that. <laughs> well, Short I would definitely agree with you. Uh, there was plenty of positive individual performances from players such as Sergio Reguilon, Alvaro Arriola, and of course Vinicius Jr., who has been incredible for the past few matches. Just like Hassan, I would have to agree. Gareth Bale, uh, somewhat of a poor performance. If you want to know how poor it was, at the end of the first half, he had just 20 touches. Thibaut Courtois had 10. Uh, so just moving on from that, we've shared one good and one bad Hassan, pick your favorite player from this match, because I know you did look up all the stats on several sites, so you have a good insight as to who did what and who didn't do so much. It'd have to be Vinicius, to be fair. He got the man of the match, deservedly so. Uh, he fired off six six shots in this game, not the most of anybody in the team. He attempted t- ten dribbles, completed five. Uh, he, he wasn't dispossessed, I don't think, that many times either, to be fair. Uh, created one big chance himself. Obviously, nicked the goal himself as well. Uh, he put two shots on target from the six he had. So all 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 over, pretty solid performance. Um, he won fifty percent of his duels. Uh, he was fouled three times. Uh, just it was a pretty complete performance for him, to be honest. Not not really put a foot wrong throughout the entire game. Uh, what about well, yourself? Who's your favourite man? I would have to go with somebody else just for the simple fact that you picked who I think many of us would pick. <laughs> uh, it would be hard to pick a good second, though. And for that reason, I think I would have to pick two. And here is why. My first would be Oriola and my second would be Sergio Reguilon. Both of which are wing back, wing, wing backs, wing backs covering for, of course, Danny Carvajal and Marcelo. Uh, uh, Oriola is 23 and Reguilon is 22. So they're both young uh, neither one is in their prime, and of course the ceiling is looking quite high for them thus far. Uh, I did mention during the live Twitter, don't be surprised if Oriola has an assist in this game, and he most certainly did. It came just in the nick of time, uh, in stoppage time, for a superb header that was put away by Mariano Diaz. But the kid was absolutely relentless, and before we get into bashing Gareth Bale, uh, with Bale's absence, uh, Oriola really stepped up. He really seemed like he was the sole guy on the right wing. Uh, he bossed it. He did well. Uh, he went three for six on his crosses. And of course, like I said, one of them resulting in a goal. He passed with just. I don't know how much more you can look for a kid who's backing up Danny Carvajal. Uh, and then, like I said, Sergio Reguilon. Marcelo hasn't really been his best self this season. A lot of people are pushing for the Brazilian to get minutes, uh, despite him not getting minutes. And with that, heap of pressure at 22 years old to play for Real Madrid to know that you're filling in for one of the greatest wing backs 
at Real Madrid and possibly ever. Like, definitely up there. He also had, Yeah, he had a standout performance. 65 passes, passive 94% accuracy, went 4 for 5 on long balls, and he himself also had an assist, and that was the opening... Uh, his assist was for the opening goal scored by Karim Benzema, so... I would have to be a little greedy and pick my two top uh, for this game. <laughs> I think we can both agree on who the worst player of this match was. So let's take out one minute to bash him, and then we'll move on. It's just his numbers don't make for pretty reading, do they? Um, he completed the least amount of passes of any outfield player. Uh, he didn't win a single duel. He didn't fight. He only fight, he only fired off two shots, um, which was as many as Vinicius had on target in total. Uh, he didn't do much on the defensive end. Didn't win a single tackle. Didn't even attempt to tackle throughout the entire game. Uh, his passing wasn't amazingly great. He, he played on eighty six percent. Oh, sorry, eighty one percent of his passes. So it was less than that. Uh, he played one key pass. That was maybe you know the one positive that we could pull from that, but. Generally, just wasn't a good performance from Bale whatsoever. Um, when you consider the magnitude of the next few weeks, magnitude of Wednesday, um, this was his chance to really stake a claim to say, yeah, I am the man. And he's really just shown that he should be warming the bench, in my opinion. What about yourself? What did you think? I can't agree with you more. I think I'm just going to echo everything you said. An all-around shit performance. And you, and also, you know me quite well. I don't swear too often. Maybe when we're just bantering with one another, I do. But uh, for me to call Gareth Bale's performance shit, I think should be a bold statement. I'm no huge pundit or analyst, but I don't throw that word around lightly. He did very poorly. Uh, Sure, he passed with 81% accuracy, but that's off of 27 passes. To have 30 passes in the amount of time that he played, he came off in the 62nd minute. So even if you say he had 30 passes, that means he had a pass. That means he had a pass once every other minute. Uh, you're not looking for that from your marquee winger, the guy who's supposed to replace the person who left last season, who shall not be named. Uh, but it just it doesn't look good. And like you said, with the amount of fixtures and the magnitude of the fixtures that are coming up in the next couple of weeks, Champions League round of 16 against Ajax, Copa del Rey semis against Barcelona the second and final Madrid derby of the La Liga season, you're just hoping for more. You're sure he was yeah. injured and sure he's come back now. But again, you're hoping for more. Marco Sensio is in the same boat. Kid came on for Gareth Bale, I believe, but he had an assist in the game. So it just goes to show you, you know, you just got to make, make the most of the minutes that you have allotted to you. And uh, Bale by no means did that. So anyway... Enough of the thrashing of the Welshman. Uh, we both, of course, would love for him to pick it up at some point in the season, hopefully sooner rather than later, before it's too late and there is nothing to play for. Um, but just moving on, I'd like to focus on the subs because we had three substitutes. Solari made use of all three of his substitutes. Uh, first was Marco Asensio, he, who came on for Gareth Bale. Second was Mariano Diaz, a like-for-like swap. Striker for striker, who came on for the goal scorer of the match, uh, Karim Benzema. And then you have lonely little Isco with four minutes remaining, comes on for Vinicius Jr. Uh, it, it's 
I, I think just breaking them down, what do you think of their impact individually? Um, Mariano Diaz, of course, nailed in a bullet header. Um, so to be fair, you can't really say much against him for that, um, considering how many times he's been written off in the last few weeks. Um, it's, it's hard to really say anything. I mean, he played a key pass in three minutes. That's fair enough. Um, I'm literally throwing that. myself in alley-oop here. I, I wanted to say this just to say that Isco had a key pass, which he did. Uh, but yep, if you did. go if you go replay the goal that Mariano Diaz scored, it was Isco's ball to Oriozola, who made the cross for Mariano's goal. So to play with four minutes and make that kind of a contribution, I think I've said this in previous podcasts before, and I've also mentioned this to you. One thing that I really like about hockey and how they uh, do their stats is not only is the person who assisted the ball given a point for the assist, but the person, uh, or the puck rather, the person who passed it before the person the who makes the final. Yeah, yeah it's a, essentially a pre-assist, gets credit for it. And you see that Isco did have a key pass, but you don't see what that was for. And unless yeah. you watch the game or you read it somewhere, or you listen to this podcast, you'll understand exactly what it is that he did. Yeah, it's 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 a stupid, stupid thing, really. But um, at the end of the day, he made an impact in the very short span of time he was given. Um, I'd even advocate he starts over Gareth Bale in, in, in the next few days against Barcelona. That's how little I thought of Bale's performance. Four-minute East Coast, toppling 62-minute Gareth Bale. Yeah, it's pretty pretty shambolic, to be honest. Um, let's put a positive spin on it. Casemiro had a good game, too, considering many people are calling for him to be dropped. Um, he put in three dribbles, was fouled three times. Defensively solid, completed six tackles, four interceptions, two clearances. Uh, only committed the single foul. Uh, it was in the passing department where he was pretty solid as well. 92% accuracy with 81 passes played. Five long balls attempted with four of them going to their man. He actually got man of the match in this game on who scored. Yeah, according um, to who scored, yeah, he did. I saw that as well. So it's nice to see he's come back and tried to say, well, this is my throne. So he's going to go down with fighting against Lorente practically by the looks of it. Which is a pretty neat fight to have because a central defensive yeah. midfielder is a very, very peculiar role and it requires a certain set of skills. And I kind of sound like I'm... Uh, Liam Neeson right now but it, it's not one that you see many teams enlist at least not that I see you do have midfielders that are defensive but not that play in the fashion that Casemiro plays where that's literally his only job like a manager at Real Madrid could care less about what else he does to a point provided that he takes care of things on the defensive end which he does by and large, to be fair. He does by and large. When he's on form, you don't really see players getting past him very easily. He is genuinely world-class at what he does. Um, so to have the battle between him and Lorente, even though even though they play the same position, they're very different styles of players, in, in, my, in my opinion. I think Lorente is a better distributor, generally, and he's a, a bit better when it comes to pressing. But... Um, it's nice to have those two players who've got different facets to their games, but are both still very good at that same position. Well, just before we jump back to the, 
the CDM position and something that I saw on Twitter that I want to mention to you and get your take on. Uh, going back to the substitutions that were made, Marco Sensu is the one that we didn't talk about, and he did get an assist. I mean, that ball kind of found its way like a magnet did to Vinicius's feet, but it was impressive to see him uh, getting some minutes on the pitch, and he really did. And played on the yeah. right-hand side. Yeah, we and he worked for this in the last power cast. Uh, there was a point in the match where he was—he actually was, you know, working on his defensive abilities. He actually registered a tackle, which is great to see. And it just shows you how willing he is to make a contribution to this team and a positive one at that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, if 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 we're looking at the starting front three for Barcelona on Wednesday, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him start on the right side, over either him or Vasquez. I wouldn't be too bothered either way, to be honest. I think both of them warrant their position there. You know, Asensio can be so effective from the right-hand side, both, you know, with his long-range shooting ability and, as we saw, with his long-range passing ability. So, you know, he could easily pick out runs from Vinicius and Benzema. So, you know, that's the threat that you want to have going forward. Well, I think if we look back at the Spanish Super Cup, which was a big performance that he had against Barcelona over those two legs, I believe he played the, on the right wing as well, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, and so we detailed in the last podcast as well, Asensio is very much a player that's better off when he's roaming along sort of in behind the striker and um, off the right side. You know, as we saw against Bayern Munich in the Champions League um, a couple of years back now, I believe that was. Um, (laughs) You know, he was absolutely just ravaged his way through the midfield and went on to score, you know, a great solo goal. That's, That's his best ability. I'm happy that you brought up that game against Barcelona, or rather brought up his recent form in the Champions League and as well what he's done against Barcelona, because that kind of moves us into that. what I wanted to ask you about. Somebody on Twitter had said to us uh, you know, what their suggestions would be for the game against Barcelona. And someone mentioned, why not have Llorente and Casemiro both play in the midfield? I don't know if that means you adopt a different formation, or you really have two CDMs in a four through three, which I think, which I think would be a bit odd. But do you think there is is that plausible or realistic to do? Um, it's it's possible to do. I would say it's possible. plausible. Yeah. Um, I mean, formations you could adopt with that. You could say you could adopt a flat four four two possibly. Um, you could adopt a potential three five two maybe. You could do a four three three with like an inverted. Sort of uh, Chongs, you'd have a Modric or whoever at the tip of it with those two in behind him. Um, so that's feasible. And then you sort of normal front three attack. I wouldn't personally do it though because I think that's too negative and too defensive. And you I sort agree. of lose, you lose, um, you lose creative an aspect of that. Yeah, you, you're kind of losing an aspect of your midfield in the sense of somebody like Tobias or somebody in that, you know, Tony Cruz kind of mold you're giving that up just to be able to make a few more tackles, which won't necessarily be needed or might not necessarily be needed because, you know, at the end of the day, anything can happen in that game. But um, it really depends on what kind of mannerism you're adopting. If you're looking at the fact that it's a two-legged game and you just want damage limitation in the first leg, then sure, that makes perfect sense. But only in the sense of damage limitation, in my eyes anyway. I don't know what you think about that, but... Well, I I personally would not have uh, Urante and uh, Casemiro playing. I did mention to the person who did say it if they were trying to replicate that double pivot again with, when Kovacic was at Real Madrid, 
But again, like that's a very different playing style because Kovacic is more Modric than he is Casemiro. Yeah, sure, yeah. He's more Modric with a hint of Casemiro in terms of his ability to tackle and have the pace to get back and, and break up play. But I don't see it happening. I don't like the idea of playing a flat four four two, and I sure as hell do not like the idea of playing a three five two. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's again like considering the first leg is an away leg, you ideally want to get you know away goals. So to go with, I don't know if he was instigating to go two DMs in this game specifically, but if you're going into an away game, you ideally want to snatch a couple of away goals. So you Isn't wouldn't want to go in the first at home. No, the first match is at the new camp. Oh, okay. I don't know what I was thinking. I apologize. So, um, yeah, ideally, you don't want to go with that kind of negative mindset. If that's if that, I, I ideally see it. As, I, I personally see it as a negative kind of approach to play two defensive midfielders. Um, just because at the end of the day, two defensive midfielders, it kind of screams Mourinho almost. Where it's like, yeah, I have two men who can just stick a leg in, and that's it. Don't want them that much creativity. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's let's run through it relatively quickly of the formation and see if we can go uh, every third of the pitch at a time and come to some sort of agreement. A four-four-three would still be the go-to, yes? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, in net, who would you start? He's been solid and his defensive capabilities are good. I'd start regular. Yeah, I know a lot of people are going to eat me alive and say, well, Marcelo's Marcelo. Yeah, but Marcelo's been playing like ass recently. Um and is a bit of a liability at present state. Uh, at the centre-back position, it's no one, no one else other than Ramos and Varane. Uh, if Varane's able to play, I'm not sure if that suspension affects that. If not, yeah. Nacho's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Carvalho at right-back, even though I'd realize I've done very well. I just still would pick Carvalho if he's fit and rearing to go. Um, in the net, obviously, I completely forgot the goalkeeper. I'd, I'd pick Kortar again. Um, just because I think he's finding his form pretty pretty well. Um, he's he's playing well now. To be honest, he's he's he's, he's proving big and good in, in big moments. I mean, against uh, Valencia a couple of months ago, you know, he saved our asses in that game, and in the game after that, I can't remember who that was against now for the life of me, but practically saved us six points in those two games with big saves. Uh, in midfield, I stick with Casemiro at defensive midfield, and then go for Cruz and Modric. And then up front, I'll go Vinicius, Benzema, and Vasquez slash Asensio. Really, I don't want I don't want Bale starting in that game. I don't think he deserves to. What would your starting eleven be? I think for the first time we have more uh, differences in our starting eleven. <laughs> uh, in goal, I would actually play Carlo Navas just because of the experience. He's obviously gone up against Barcelona a lot more, even though this side has evolved and changed over the past few years. I think he has an understanding. Uh, of what needs to get done the most, if that makes sense to you. I, I don't feel like I'm explaining this very well, but <laughs> I, I'm not going on this off of emotion or I feel that, oh, he should get a start and, you know, he's been here longer. But I think just based out of experience and out of big game, uh, his presence in big matches. I mean, the guy's gone through how many Champions Leagues now and gone deep into them, literally won them. Courtois has all the ability in the world. I don't doubt him in that regard. But in terms of keeping your nerves, I think that is one thing Navas has. And I think that's also, you know, kind of segues into the whole Marcelo Regulon thing. I would, again, also put Marcelo 
even though he hasn't been superb, I don't need him to have a 9 out of 10 performance. I don't need him to have an assist and a goal or two assists or five key passes over the course of that game. I need him to be, a, I need someone who can support Vinicius well. Uh, and Casemiro knows the system. He'll know that he is playing with Marcelo in the left back and he'll cover his ass when it needs to be covered. Um, in the center backs, there, of course, is no doubt between Varane and Sergio Ramos. And just like you, I would play Danny Carvajal at the right back position. In the midfield, I would also elect for Casemiro with Modric and Cruz. Uh, I don't see any way that could possibly change unless uh, Solari needs to change tactics or uh, it's not clicking for either Modric or Cruz. I think Danny Sabaos would probably be the likely substitution uh, first off the bench. Uh, in attack, Benzema up top, Vinicius on the left, just because he has been incredible uh, over the past few games. I don't. He was. He's 18, and he was man of the match today against Alaves. Like I don't know how you can't not give him a start. Uh, like I said, he has confidence. He has technical ability, and most of all, which is most important to me, uh, I believe, is. His selflessness and decision-making, his game IQ, his maturity. Uh, being young, you want to make a name for yourself, but Vinicius does not rush what is not there, and he sees what is present and what's in front of him, and he makes use of that, as opposed to trying to glory hunt or chase on his own. I think yeah. the right wing is the one spot that I have the most Uh I guess a bit of a headache on trying to think of who I would start, of course, if I was a manager. Uh, Gareth Bale, uh, for sure, I would not. I think it would be between Asensio, Lucas, and Isco, and I have positives for each one of them. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe roll the dice on it and then <laughs> pick from one of the three. I don't know how else I could, I could possibly do it because each one presents a different asset. And I think we could spend five minutes to go through them, but uh, that's not the purpose of this starting 11. So I think the person who will get the starting 11 on the right wing, though, will be Lucas Vasquez. And to his credit, deservedly so. Yep, it's more than fair enough. More than fair enough. Uh, my last question to you. Uh, what, what kind of system do you think Madrid will or should need to to deplore against Barcelona in order to actually come out on top. Because like you said, this is an away match. You want away goals, but then you don't want to be too attack-minded because then you leave yourself vulnerable. Uh, Barcelona aren't the Barcelona that many people think of maybe four or five, six years ago, where it's just possession and a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> uh, they have the ability to break and break quickly, especially with Dembele on that team. Yeah, it's quite frightening. Um, I personally go for a counter-attacking kind of system. Um, I'm not saying just sit and absorb pressure, but that's ideally what I try to do. Barcelona play a very high line and they're very, very reliant on Busquets mopping up in midfield, which he's very good at. Very, very astute at doing that. Um, but he's slow, um, and which is why players like Modric you know, are very key in these kind of games in terms of getting and navigating around him. But I, with the pace of players like Vinicius and Vasquez's running sort of just consistent running ability, they'd be very much the kind of threat you want on the break against Barcelona, who hold a high line. 
peak open susceptible to getting caught out of position a lot this year. Um, and they haven't got Umtiti, who's pretty colossal for them, generally speaking. Um, you know, I'm not sure who they'll, they'll play in position, whether it's Longley or Vermaelen. Um, I don't know what their situation is at the back currently. Or even Jason Murillo, actually, completely forgot he's at the club now. Um, but yeah, I, I think the counter-attack is the best option against them because both their fullbacks bomb forward. Jordi Alba especially bombed forward, which will allow for somebody like Carvajal and potentially Asensio Vasquez to really have openings on that on that right-hand side. Also, um, where they play Messi on the right flank, he obviously cuts in and plays essentially in the midfield a lot. So that means the man on the right side is alone, whether that's Semedo or Sergio Roberto, nobody knows. But um, that 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 guy's going to be overrun, and that's why you know playing a very cohesive left side is going to be key for Madrid because you can really manipulate Barcelona. I feel from that that uh, right back position on their right wing position, or down our left side basically. So that's what I'd that's what I'd primarily target is that left hand side because um, Jordi Alba does track back, albeit not always in the best of fashions, but he does get the um, so yeah, that's what I do. I, I counterattack. Counterattack's definitely the way to go against them. We've seen it with other sides. Batiste did very well against them in that regard. Uh, Valencia did a good job of it on the weekend, breaking on the counter with the pace that they've got on that side. Um, that's definitely the best way to go about it. Um, who who look for the better part of the last decade? It's always been Cristiano versus Messi, and this is now the second Clasico without Ronaldo. Who do you think, or whom do you think will be part of that key matchup? Who will be the two guys facing off against one another? It may not even be Messi. Benzema. Benzema, Benzema versus Suarez. I don't think it's Suarez as such because Usman Dembele has been their decisive man this season. To be fair, he's won the most points for that team in La Liga. Uh, Suarez is in banging form now. Suddenly, um, after having some struggles through the year. But at the end of the day, you can't even ignore Messi necessarily because he scored in his, I believe, his last eight or nine games on the bounce. Um, so yeah, a few even... penalties in there. Yeah, there, there's a few penalties in there, but a goal's a goal at the end of the day, in my eyes, regardless of how it goes in. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, he's, he's scoring still. Suarez is picking up form again, and Dembele's just decisive in any sense. He can score, he can create. He's just a very frightening player to come up against. Uh, so it would be Benz against any one of them three, really. Before we wrap this up, do we dare make a score prediction or shall we just wait till the conclusion Ooh, of the match? It's ballsy, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm testing fate when I make score predictions. Fuck it, we live on fate. I'm going to go 2-1 <laughs> Madrid. I'm going to go. I'm gonna stick my balls on the line. 2-1 <laughs> Madrid? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I would... Uh... Go on, I, get your nutsack out and put it on the line. <laughs> I I don't see us keeping a clean sheet as much as like too. There's just too much attacking power on the Barcelona side, and Messi always just does some freaking annoying. Well, he may stuff. not necessarily be fit. There's fears over his fitness, and I'm praying. And oh, I hate, it's a I load hate of to, garbage. It's I hate to pray injuries. You know I he's going to play that game. I'm going to take know. this. I'm going to take this. Okay, don't take my moment away from me. <laughs> Just let, just let me be depressed when I see his name on the lineup, but don't take it away from me now. <laughs> uh, I, I want to pick something different from you just for the sake of picking something different. And I want to win. 
I mean, I, uh, I was going to go for a draw initially, like 1-1 one, one draw, but I thought, no, go on. We'll go I definitely don't think it'll be a stalemate. I think once that first goal goes in, I think it's just going to be like a chase to score the next one from both It'll be teams. a case, I think whoever scores first is going to win that first leg. That's yeah, how I think, think that'll go. I think that's a fair assessment. I'm going to say Real Madrid 3, Barcelona 1. Oh, that's ballsy. You've, really ta- you've literally taken your balls hand on the helicopter, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I... Benzema's been on fire. I think he could do it. I wouldn't be surprised if Vinicius finds his way into scoring. And whether Asensio gets minutes, uh, how many he gets, I think he can. I think he's going to come back with vengeance, especially after having a pretty so. decent game today. He has a lot to prove and a lot of uh, clout to regain. Uh, given his injury, he's, he's dropped off. And you really haven't heard his name. And if he wants to be a key marquee player, not just at Real Madrid, but in the, the footballing world as a yeah, whole. Yeah, he must be watching Vinicius going on and capturing the headlines, thinking that should be me. And not just him. He must be seeing Jesse Lingard at Manchester United. That must be frustrating. You're seeing Kylian Mbappe at PSG. That's got to be frustrating. All these other people in and around the same age as you are doing big things. And you were lauded as one of the biggest talents just two seasons ago. You haven't really done much this season. It's time to really step up. Yeah, definitely. It is, this is essentially, you know, his make or break period as well. It's the same for a few players, I think. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Bale's definitely a make or break. I think he's going to be sold regardless in the, at the end of the season. But I literally think Real Madrid could treble it and Bale would still be sold. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think for Bale, this is essentially legacy-making period time, really. I think if he does well... And then his soul in the summer, people will remember, remember him a little more fondly and be like, yeah, you know, he helped us win the Copa del Rey or helped us close the gap and, you know, who knows, maybe won La Liga or whatever. But um, if he goes on to just completely flop in his next four to six weeks, however long it is, people are just going to turn around and be like, yeah, they, you know, he started off well, but just completely tallied off and his injuries took over for the last two to three years of his stint and he just... You know, may even be called a waste of money. Who knows? Some people are throwing that out there. I'm not well, saying I agree with it, but uh, there is no fan base more uh, disgustingly critical than that of Real Madrid's. Uh, oh, but sure. I think that concludes the rest of this podcast. You got our analysis from the three-one win over Alaves. Real Madrid are sitting pretty, just two points behind uh, Atletico Madrid and eight behind Barcelona. Of course, the next match will be this Wednesday against Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. Stay tuned for some interesting content that we're producing with Everything Barca, which is the Barcelona-dedicated page on the Fansided Network as well. We're coming Uh, for you. We're coming for you guys. As always, we hope you're enjoying your day. We hope you enjoyed the win, and uh, you have a great rest of it. As always, Hala Madrid.